Welcome to the Exploring Unschooling podcast. For countless parents, the journey to unschooling has redefined childhood and transformed their family relationships. Are you curious? Together, let's explore what living and learning looks like without school. Hello, explorers. I'm Pam Laricchia, and this is episode number 338 of the podcast. It's the 7th of December, 2022, as I record this intro. And this week, I'm sharing a conversation Anna Brown and I had recently with Laura Blanca on her podcast, Intimate Breath. Laura came across Unschooling and the Exploring Unschooling podcast and was intrigued by the similarities she found with her work as she listened. And while she's not a parent herself, her enthusiasm was obvious when she reached out to ask about having a conversation on her podcast. It was such a delightful conversation that we asked if I could share it here as well. We dive into what unschooling is, questioning rules and social conditioning to live how we want to live, the power of feeling free to make choices, moving from power and control-based relationships to consensual and intimate ones, what it can look like to prioritize relationships, and creating a culture where it feels safe to make mistakes and to quit if something doesn't feel good. Now, before we dive in, I just want to take a moment to profusely thank everyone who has chosen to support the podcast through Patreon. I deeply appreciate all my patrons. Your generous support is instrumental in keeping the podcast archive, both audio and transcripts, freely available to anyone who's curious and wants to explore the fascinating world of unschooling. If you'd like to support the show, check out the Exploring Unschooling page at patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash exploring and schooling. And now let's listen in to our conversation with Laura. Welcome. You are listening to the Intimate Breath podcast and my name is Laura. Here we share personal stories and have open conversations about anything related to intimacy and sexuality. How can we invite more of our erotic power in all areas of our life and create more well-being? That's ultimately what this podcast is about and you are so warmly welcome. Hello, this episode is the first part of a conversation that I've had with Pam and Anna, who are both unschooling experts and have had their own unschooling journey with their own family and maybe you're thinking like why the hell (laughs) is this being talked about on the intimate breath podcast which is about intimacy and sexuality and relating Um, and that's I mean you're gonna find out if you (laughs) if you give it a listen (laughs) Um, but to give a little bit of context I have always been wildly enthusiastic about natural birthing and unschooling Um, Both for me are about freeing or liberating something that has been very much systemized. And both, you know, our birthing process and how how that is happening, as well as just our whole education and upbringing, it determines so much of who we become as an individual. And there's something natural or wild that has been taken away uh, in a lot of it. And it really excites me to go back to, you know, what's the raw, raw form of it. And so, 
Even though I don't have children yet myself, Pam's podcast Exploring Unschooling and also her network Living Joyfully has been super inspiring for me those days. Um, I do want children in the future and it has always been a worry of me from a very young age that, you know, the school system is what it is right now. Um, I remember telling my mom, I don't want children before I have found a good school, right? And the option that you just don't go to school has never come up for me until just two years ago when I joined an online course around holistic pregnancy and pleasurable birthing. And this was one of the bonus modules. And as soon as I heard about it, I just have been researching and, and reading and listening to more of it. Um, what what made me think that this could be interesting for you as a listener or follower of Intimate Breath is that beyond any wish for children, this has been super interesting for me as an individual, as an adult as well. Um, and it's so cool to hear all the topics that I'm working around with Intimate Breath, uh, but this time through the lens of unschooling. I'm thinking about prioritizing relationships, building awareness around our needs, our desires, um, nurturing our inner drive, following our passion, the topic of consent and choice, um, living and feeling our own autonomy, making decisions, incorporating also the wisdom of our body, conflict resolution, like there's so much that comes back both in the unschooling podcast of Pam, uh, as well as in what I offer to the world. And it's, it's really cool to take it from another perspective. So we're going to get more into this <laughs> in a bit, but let me first introduce you to Pam and Anna. So, hi, Anna and Pamela. Hello. Hi. Uh, Pam, on your podcast, you always invite people to uh, share a little bit about their family and what all members of the family are doing at that point in time. And I want to change it a little bit. Like, how would you introduce yourselves both? And where does most of your aliveness go to nowadays? So I guess I'll start with that one. And I really love how you shifted up that question. That's beautiful. <laughs> so I'm Pam. I've been married for over 30 years and have three grown children. I have long been fascinated um, by how humans tick and what it means to be in relationship with the wonderful people in my life. Mm. Over the last 15 years or so, I've helped many people cultivate strong, connected and trusting relationships with their children and their partner while navigating the day to day challenges and conflicts through uh, books. I've written books. I've hosted a podcast and I just and, and the podcast is shifting now to really focus on taking these big ideas and seeing how they land in our real lives, our actual lives, because there is so much going on. We have different people. We have unique people. We have circumstances under our control and not under our control. How do we bring these ideas into our real life? And nowadays, my aliveness continues with that work and with a new podcast. 
as well as really deeply enjoying my newest hobby of playing and developing video games. So that's me. Wow. <laughs> that's exciting. Yes. So I'm Anna again, and um, David and I have been together for 36 years, and we have two grown daughters. Um, and, you know, Pam and I run the Living Joyfully Network for unschoolers, and we're really excited about the new podcast that we're starting called Living Joyfully. And it because it's aimed at anyone that wants to learn about relationships and improve their relationships and also just self-awareness pieces. So I'm super excited about that. Um, I also work in a private practice, helping couples and families move through conflicts and create an environment of collaboration and growth. So that's really um, important work that can sometimes be intense and 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 bring a lot, but it's also it's very satisfying to see families come together and see couples find new ways of communicating. Um, I am also very passionate about living consensually with children, which I'm sure we'll kind of touch on today. Mm -hmm. um, I just find that that sets everyone up for strong, connected relationships when we start at that foundation with children. Um, I would say I feel most alive when I'm in nature. <laughs> so I live near the mountains in Virginia in the U.S. and I am outside with the trees as much as possible. So that that's definitely where a lot of my aliveness goes or where I, I gather the strength for all the things that, that we do, which I enjoy so much. Wow. I My whole body is tingling <laughs> meeting you right now. Yeah, I just really seem to catch you right now at the moment where you're you're even more clearly transitioning from this unschooling education, like the education of unschooling, basically, <laughs> to the broader perspective of relating. And um, and this is exactly also what this podcast is about. Um, so do you want to describe what unschooling is uh, to people that have never heard of it, maybe? I'll start then. <laughs> you go with that one, Pam. Okay, so... Really, at its most basic, it's not sending your kids to school, mm. even not bringing school home either. So unschooling kids learn through following their interests, following their curiosity, rather than following curricula. Like that's it at its most basic. But soon parents realize that learning happens all the time. Mm. And really, the important Thing is to focus on the relationships that we have with our kids, to focus on the connection. And that is where the real fun begins. <laughs> and we will dive into that more coming up uh, in, in your questions. Or, but that, that really is the most basic, not going to school, but that is a window to our world, really, to a whole world of being in relationship with other people, to understanding that learning happens all the time. It doesn't just happen, you know, during school hours of the day. And it happens everywhere, not just inside a classroom. And it does not need to be directed by another person, by a teacher or a parent. It bubbles up for our kids. So once you start exploring that, and once you start seeing it in action, and noticing when it's an action in your lives right now, you start to see the richness. And then you actually release your need to look for the learning because you see it happening all the time. And then you realize, oh, if we keep our relationship connected and trusting, that's where everything blossoms from there. 
Wow. For me, the idea that we don't need a school was just my mind <laughs> blew up. <laughs> Anna, was there anything you wanted to add to? No, I mean, I think that's really the core of it. And I think that piece that Pam was saying at the end, like unschooling is just this kind of lens that you then, like once you, re- once that mind blows happen that we don't have to go to school, then you start to question everything. <laughs> what are all of these things that society hands me that I thought I had to do that I don't have to do? And so I think it is a first step for a lot of people on a long journey of peeling back all of those layers of things that are really kind of wasted upon us as we're children and young adults even. So yeah, it's so I'm excited to talk about it more. <laughs> yeah. I remember being in primary school and actually telling my mom, like, I never want to have children before I find the perfect school. But that was still with the idea that it should wow. be a school, right? Um, but but you, you know, as I understand it, unschooling is really a lifestyle. And you, I guess you also, that's something you mentioned in your episodes as well. It's a lifestyle. Um, and I, f- I feel like that's a lot of the overlap with what I am busy with. Uh, so, and working with people one-on-one around the, like intimacy, sexuality, and creativity, um, so many people, regardless of age, are actually just still recovering from their whole upbringing. And um, I use the word liberation mm-hmm. a lot in my work. And, you know, we all were told to be quiet, to be good, and we're not really motivated or appreciated for following our own yes and making our own decisions and saying no and using our voice. So much issues stem from lacking the experience of relating in a healthy way and um, having good examples of self-regulation and co-regulation, just being being human. Like, like there's so much of just like being human that we're kind of numbed by the school system, I would say, to to listen to our own signals and, and our own inner drive. Um, so these are all things that we need to feel safe and fulfilled in our relational and sexual lives. And so a lot of this is present in my work, but I'm, I'm really curious, like, you know, in, in your context, you call this de-schooling. Uh, do you want to say a little bit more about the difference between unschooling and de-schooling um, from your perspective? Well, I just want to, so for de-schooling, it's, it's, it's basically this process of unpacking all of the baggage that you're talking about, all this baggage that's been handed to us in childhood and again, even early adulthood. It's understanding where those outside voices are coming from and letting go of the things that don't serve us. And I feel like it is this process of learning to listen to your inner voice and to define your own priorities. You know, we see that children naturally have a very strong inner voice. And I feel it's only through this systemic disempowerment that they lose it. And then they have all this work as adults to reclaim it, which all three of us have worked with adults for, I mean, Pam and I for decades and you for a very long time too. And and it's the same theme, you know, it's that same theme of having to just unpack all this baggage that we were handed 
And so that de-schooling process before you're really able to kind of fully embrace unschooling and see your children and, and not, you know, kind of fall into those same traps is really, I think, unpacking all the things that happened to us, you know. Yeah, it, it's so interesting to think about <clears throat> because, yeah, when I was growing up, <clears throat> I was very much into doing whatever I was told to do, right? And as I look back on it, it's both in the moment, like the thing I was told to do, because the faster I did it, the sooner I might have <clears throat> some time to do what I wanted to do. <laughs> so it was, and I I still remember this moment in in my brother's bedroom because <clears throat> my parents had gone out and had left me, you know, in charge and had said he can go out and play when he finishes cleaning up his bedroom. Mm-hmm. And like, I would, I was sitting in there with him. I'm like, why don't you just clean it so you can go out and play? Like for me, I would have been boom, boom, boom. And I'm off doing my thing. And for him, no, he just was not going to be controlled that way. And he sat there and I'm like, I'll do it for you (laughs) in the end, because he wouldn't, he would not be controlled that way. So it's so interesting to think back on those little moments, but it's also in the bigger picture that I felt it of, you know, here's the success path for life. You get good grades, you get a degree, you get a good job, you know, and I dove right into that. It was actually through navigating the school path with my eldest that I even discovered homeschooling. Like I had no idea that going to school was a choice, right? So Lily <laughs> just discovered it earlier. But from there, once I discovered it, I soon invited the kids to stay home instead, which they all took me up on. And then I found unschooling. <clears throat> and then as Anna described, my de-schooling journey began in earnest at that point, because once you question one thing, it's like, oh, my gosh, you know, I have so much more choice than I imagined that I did. So it turns out that de-schooling invited me to, you know, just deeply explore the person and parent that I wanted to be like all of a sudden everything was on the table and the kind of life that I wanted to live with my family as you were speaking about it's a lifestyle in the end so questions like does learning end when my kid turns 18 what does success look like how do I want to be in relationship with my kids and my partner and with myself there's just so many questions that can bubble up <clears throat> so I do see, as Anna said, those those questions are like the prime de-schooling phase. It doesn't end, per se, because new questions bubble up over time, right? New situations arise. <clears throat> but eventually, at least for me, you get to a place where, you know, okay, the unschooling lifestyle makes sense to me. I can see it in action. And um, the my relationships with my kids are strongly connected. They're trusting. You know, we're we're having fun now. And at some point, you just kind of look. Oh, I'm unschooling. Like you get past the point where the distinction between deschooling and unschooling is important. Mm-hmm. Like when you start, you have that school mindset. I want to ace this deschooling. I want to do it as fast as possible. Do this. I'm going to get an A in deschooling. But eventually, as all that 
fades away. It's like you just notice one day it pops up in your mind. It's like, oh, yeah, I haven't been struggling <laughs> with a big question for a while now. We're just having fun. They're learning all the time. I'm learning all the time. You know, it's creative, fun. We're engaged in our days. It's like, oh, I guess this is unschooling. We're doing it now. So it's not any specific point in time. It's more just a recognition that I'm not questioning so much stuff anymore. Now questions are just like in the context of this moment, something new has come up and we have some tools and some ways to process and move through it. But yeah, so that's kind of the distinction between the two. And I think for so many people, it's just a new concept that the parents are actually learning or mm -hmm. unlearning or in a process. It's not like, oh, the children need to learn something here. It's oh. like, no, it's an experience altogether. But also just the idea that actually parenting can be a great opportunity to unbox and unlearn and just free yourself. Um, before I continue, I just want to check if Anna wants to actually add something to this deschooling question, because <laughs> I'm like, whoa. <laughs> no, I mean, but I think that's it, though. You know, I think that it's it it what we see over and over again, it, the children lead the way. It's absolutely the parents that have the work to do to release a lot of the expectations that were put on them and also just to learn and grow. Like it's such a valuable time of learning and growth for, you know, us as adults and parents and the children and their joy and their excitement about life and learning are really what leads the way for sure. Mm. Yeah, when I listen to your podcast, I get just really excited about becoming a parent. <laughs> and I mean, we get opportunities and chances to grow and, and liberate ourselves all the time. But since I'm anyway pretty excited about becoming a parent at some point, <laughs> it's just how you talk about it. It's it's really beautiful to to look at it as a way to really look and become even more real at what do I want with this life? Upgrade my values and my lifestyle together with growing with this family and, and with children. And it sounds like it's also an opportunity to heal certain aspects of yourself. And so since my big passion is around body and pleasure and intimacy and sex, um, I became curious to to your personal experience and stories when it comes to the relationship you have with yourself with your body and with your sexuality like how has unschooling impacted those aspects of your own life yeah i'll, I'll start with this one because i think it, it's been okay. a piece for me um, I did have some childhood trauma that impacted my relationship with my body and with sexuality and was very fortunate to have a partner that has been with me for a very long time um, and kind of walked with me on that path. But I really feel like it was through the experience of having children and living this particular lifestyle of prioritizing relationships 
consent, self-awareness that I was able to heal and to start trusting my body and to love it exactly how it is and to love it for all that it's been through and all that it's carried me through and all that it is right now. And those deep trusting relationships, they changed me, you know, and they gave me this sense of self and safety that really felt elusive before that. And, and that was even having a strong relationship with David before we have kids. It, it, it just, it just took it to this very different level. And there was just so much healing for me. I think so often, you know, the most surprising part of unschooling is how much we learn about ourselves, how much work there is to do to learn how to be true to ourselves and to, I don't know, step outside of the cultural constructs that aren't serving us. You know, something I talk about a lot is just who is the person I want to be in the world? And I feel like in, you know, through school and early years, that was defined for me. (laughs) Like, this is who you're supposed to be. This is how you succeed. Like Pam was saying, this is the path you're supposed to take. And so I feel like it was a decade of unfolding to figure out who am I? Who do I want to be in the world? And it, it it was such a big part of, so often we have this kind of top-down piece with children, this authoritarian, this kind of can be acrimonious even, you know, with children. And, and I just knew that wasn't the person I wanted to be in the world. Like I knew that I wasn't going to spend the next, you know, 20 some years with my kids fighting and control and all of those pieces. And so I just always kept grounding back in who do I want to be in in the world? And I feel like these relationships that I had with David and my, my two girls, like just, we all worked together to figure out who we wanted to be. And it was, it felt so different and it felt so empowering. And I just, yeah, I really gets me very excited. (laughs) You know, it does, Pam. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That shift, one of the things that all that, that those de-schooling questions, um, when it comes to this aspect, learning to value my own thoughts and feelings, my inner voice over those cultural messages to look and act in a certain way, to care for myself in a certain way, to parent and care for others in a certain way. For me, when I was thinking about this question, one of the big shifts for me personally, was around the idea of self-care. Like that was a big shift for me. So many messages to parents, like that's the when you're bringing kids into the world, into your family. So many messages to parents around self-care are about how we need to, to take time away from our kids to care for ourselves, that we deserve this time to be adults, you know, that, that we need some adult time, you know, all those different messages. So that was something that I dug really deep into because it didn't feel good to me or to my kids, even as I tried to do it. Like, I don't want to, you know, be burdened and burnt out. I want to take care of myself. And at first, all I knew were those messages that were out there. Over time, as I was de-schooling and taking into these questions, like, like I said, I discovered homeschooling when my kids were, my oldest was um, nine <clears throat> Um, so I, but those were questions I was struggling with even before I knew homeschooling was a thing, right? These were, I still was trying to have connected relationships with my kids 
and enjoying their company and not wanting to be fighting, like Anna was saying, like, even before I knew this was even an option. That's why we all jumped at it once we discussed, like, oh, here's the answer. <laughs> or at least one of the big answers for us was to be able to take out that acrimonious piece. But anyway, what I discovered is that there were so many ways that I could weave self-care into my days, right? Without feeling like I was, you know, or rather than feeling like I was martyring myself and looking forward to that afternoon out by myself every couple of weeks or every month or however I could set the boundaries and say, you know, this is my time and, and then just burn myself to the ground in between so that I could go out and recover. And the few times that I tried it, I did not feel better when I came back. I came back with the same weight and the same, anyway, when I learned um, just even the idea of bringing self-care into my days with my kids, and I started to look for just the little pieces that re-energized me, you know, just stepping outside for a little bit of fresh air, lighting a candle, putting some music, taking five minutes, you know, to, to read something that was refreshing, like, and even and then finding things that I could do with my kids that were engaging and refreshing, re-energizing for myself that we could do together. Oh my gosh, it was like it was like magic for me. The self-care that I could bring into our days and do beside them, not not subtly give the message that I need to be away from you before I can re-energize because you're draining. Like even when you don't say that to their face, if you're like, I'm going out to have coffee and I'll be so refreshed and relaxed when I come back, you'll be excited. You know, those messages that we're subtly giving them don't need to be there. And even when at that point, when I didn't need to escape to uh, as part of self-care, that didn't mean that I didn't enjoy meeting up with someone for coffee or to go for a walk. But now I didn't frame it as I need to be away from you because that wasn't it. It's like, I'm going to do something fun too. while you guys are doing something fun and I'll be back in an hour or two or whatever. When that worked, you know, that that's that bigger context that we talk about that when it works for everyone in the family, we're all a team now and we're working together that's that's a fascinating thing is that when we talk about our relationships to ourselves we can live that alongside the relationships in our family it's not either or it's not one gets priority now and then the other one gets priority it's like we can all weave together and we can all prioritize our needs our wants the care that we need to give ourselves the space that we need, like all those pieces, that self-awareness that we keep talking about, when we are all encouraged to, you know, share those things, kids and adults included, the things that we're needing and working together as a team to figure out, well, how can we make this work? Because, because we don't have to fight or argue for our needs, we can, we can incorporate everyone's needs. So that self-care and the relationships that we have for ourselves just become part of the whole milieu of our family lifestyle. <laughs> yeah. I can't 
stop talking. <laughs> it's just very exciting, very interesting. <laughs> it is, and it sounds very, in a way, it sounds revolutionary to go from the idea of, oh, Oh yeah, you have children. Like of course you're drained. Of course you you don't have time to follow your own passion, to have your own like it I can't talk from personal experience. I don't have children, but it's just like I see a lot of that and when I listen to you, it sounds like the opposite. It sounds like mm -hmm. having been in this unschooling lifestyle, it has helped you, supported you to actually upgrade your own self-care. Um habits and your own way of of being with yourself is that did i hear that right i would say yes yeah. <laughs> i mean i would say yes for me too and, and and part of what she was touching on it is and and to kind of weave it back to what you were saying is when we're in this this environment that we've created where we're expressing our needs, where we're hearing the other person, you have to be in touch with your body, with your emotions, with who you are to be able to express your needs. Because I don't really even feel like I was given a lot of permission to express my needs, you know, as a child and in a schooled environment. And so that was new learning for me. Now for my children, it came much more naturally, you know, because they had never had that kind of squelched out of them. But, um, but right, it's this idea that, because I was the same as Pam, like when I would go away from, from my kids, it didn't feel great because I was really in this place of they're amazing. Like I want to be with them because we're just enjoying each other and we're learning because you don't have, I think with, you know, kind of conventional society, you do want to get away from it because it's a lot of arguments, you know, it's a lot of, you know, control. And I think that, you know, when you have this different environment, it's just so fun because we're all helping each other get our needs met. We're all, you know, they're bringing new things into my life that I didn't know about. I'm bringing things into their life. And so it's just so much more collaborative. Go ahead, Pam. What you're dropping so much is expectations of other people. Right. You know, and I'm sure that weaves into all your work too, Lord. The the expectation that we have of other people that we're in relationship with when you instead just chat about our our needs and the things that we want to do and the things that we need right now um they're coming from the individual and they will be satisfying for them or you know if they're not that's more learning like all of it every experience is more learning and tweaking our self-awareness oh i thought that would feel really good i thought going out and having a coffee would right, feel right. really good because i my kids you know pulling on my leg but oh my gosh that didn't feel good and yeah so much of it is like conventionally it can feel so draining and overwhelming when you're spending a whole bunch of your day with expectations on your kid's behavior, on your kid's choices, on their actions, and you're trying to tweak them to do what you think they should be doing and how they should be behaving. That is draining, trying to control another person. <laughs> I just had a new thought. I haven't, I don't think I've ever said this before, but I'm wondering if the draining comes from 
our natural state as humans is to want to be in harmonious relationships. Like I feel like that's our natural state is to want to be connected to other people. And so this kind of conventional parenting paradigm actually puts you at odds very much with these people that you love most in the world. So these conventional parents love their children just as much as I love my children. It's just, they've been told that, well, no, you have to be the authority. You have to mold them. You have to have these expectations. And I think that may be the draining part that you're going against kind of our human nature of wanting to be unconditionally loved and accepted and be in a relationship like that. I just today wrote actually text about my chosen family and how much I appreciate the, the people that are closest to me for exactly the same things as you are describing now, like their support, like I feel supported to feel free. Yes. And to make my own choices. They're like helping me to find my own clarity to like, they're reminding me of what I said earlier, I really liked. And <laughs> when I'm, when I'm like getting lost in more like conventional ideas of how I should do things. And um, it sounds like this is exactly what you're creating. Like the, the environment that you're creating, not with your chosen family, but actually with your like, <laughs> your family family like, <laughs> um you don't have to find other people like you have them right there <laughs> you created them yourself <laughs> yeah i'm also curious you mentioned a few times these these uh, these questions these schooling questions i wonder if you have like one very concrete example of of how that can sound like And and while you're thinking, I also want to appreciate you for how um, you know I, I ask about your the relationship to your body and your sexuality and how you both really answer in the bigger picture. Like living sexually empowered is being able to express and follow your needs and your desires and really connect with that lust of life and where that brings you. Um, or at least that's how I would describe it uh, most naturally. And so it sounds very much like that's so clear for you as unschooling parents as well, that, that that's what it is about. Um, yeah. I mean, I think for me, it was a journey to get there because I had a lot of things to unpeel. But right, when you're in these, these kind of unconditionally loving relationships and you're really having to fine tune your self-awareness so that you can communicate your needs. That is a big part of loving our body and finding, you know, sexual satisfaction and having these deep intimate connections, you know, with your partner. And all of that is that understanding because again, I feel like as a child and teenager and, and young adult, like my needs were so subjugated, <laughs> you know, it was always do what this person tells you to do, you know, like in, in any kind of an environment. And so then how do you take that? And I think we're going to talk about consent a little bit later, but it's like, how do you take that framework and then suddenly have this intimate relationship where you want an exchange of ideas, you want an exchange of what do you need? What do I need? Let's do this together. And so I feel like that's so much harder. And I've seen it a very different process in my girls. But again, I think we cover that a little bit more <laughs> later. <laughs> Nailed it. Yeah, it is. <clears throat> exactly. Like sexuality and how we feel about ourselves is another aspect of of our own self-awareness of um, 
trusting ourselves and learning, gain, having gained so much experience growing up, just expressing our needs and understanding ourselves. So it is, and how to be in an intimate and open, connected relationship with another human being. So it's just uh, another kind of relationship, another aspect to relationship that we're bringing in. Yeah. So yeah, I love the way you pulled notice and pulled it up. Yeah. And I think to kind of go back to your question about like the de-schooling questions, I don't know that there is one. I think it's just this process of when you bump up against something, it's, it's, is it true? You know, is it true that you have to go to school? Is it true that my body has to look a certain way for someone to love me? Is it true that you have to, you know, follow this prescription for success? Is it true? You know, so I think that might be the question is like, yeah. is it true? And then really peeling that back as opposed to one particular thing. Is it true? And for me, it was, does it make sense? Right. Like, exactly. So, does it make sense? That, you know, is that, you know, legally true or literally true? Right, and right. that makes sense with my experience so far in my life. Does, and does, is it serving me? That's my next step. Is, me, yeah. is it serving me? Is that idea serving me? Because, you know, people may answer that question differently. They may say that this conventional lifestyle is serving them. And that's great. What I found for me is that it wasn't. And that it was actually disconnecting me from who I am and who I wanted to be in the world. And so that's kind of the series as you go through it. Yes. And <laughs> it's like, is it serving me even? So if this conventional lifestyle or this aspect of a conventional lifestyle is serving me and it's like, yes, it is. But what you've done there is realized it's a choice. A choice. Exactly. That empowers <laughs> us so much because we realize, oh, like this is a choice. This makes sense to me. It feels good. This is why I'm doing it. And now I'm doing it with more power. I bring a whole new attitude, even if I'm the same that I made last week. I'm coming at it so much differently when I know it's a choice and it's a choice that I want to make. And it's a choice that can change. I feel like that's the big piece because what we're handed in childhood is there's this one path, there's one right way, this is the way. And so maybe that way is serving you for a while, but just to know it's a choice also helps you know that I may veer off this path at some point, this path may stop serving me and I want to go a different direction. And so, you know, choice is such a big part of it. So big, because that's when all of a sudden you start noticing the context. You yeah. start noticing yeah. how you feel. Like as soon as you realize it's a choice, now you're kind of, it activates your your inner awareness, your, your um, observer, however you want to call it. But now you're noticing, you know, the next 10 times you make that choice, is it still feeling good? Is it still feeling good? You're noticing the context and things around. You're noticing more the minute you realize it's a choice. And then that just gives you more information to lean into it, to continue leaning into it, but knowing also that, oh, I can tweak this a little bit. You know, it doesn't have to be a 180 change in choice. It can be like a little tweak here, a little tweak here, a little tweak here over time. That makes the choice feel even better. Wow. I'm so happy I asked you that question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I mean, choice is, it's so much reminding us all the time of I am inherently free and um, 
having a choice or feeling like I have a choice is what is healing trauma also. Right. Because it, trauma is a situation where we felt like we were uh, alone with too much yeah. and we didn't have a choice. And I love how, you know, that those questions, these quote unquote, these schooling questions in my coaching or in, in what I'm bringing, I call it reality checks or <laughs> checking yeah. assumptions. And yeah. it's such a big piece of my way of relating these days. Yeah. And I say relating not only to other people, but also to myself and to life and like I have this assumption, like, but is it true? <laughs> um, so, um, yeah, I feel. <laughs> and it actually, like, we already went to my next question. Instead of focusing on control, or rather, when the control falls away, it's clear that you need a good relationship to be able to live together and do things together. Yes. Um, and that seems to be obviously such a big key as you've already been mentioning so clearly. And as a relationship coach and intimacy coach, these skills that you are developing and have been developing through just living with your family are all things that I have been like touching upon in courses and trainings around conscious relating and, you know, healthy sexuality and uh, the idea that this is integrated in our upbringing and just in our whole life style and with our family is just, it's so exhilarating to me. <laughs> and it's like, so often I have felt frustrated, like this should be more in school. There should be more focus on relational skills and awareness and body awareness and all these things. And of course, there was again a thought of a thought within the the filter that I had of there needs to be school, right? Yeah. So I want to say a couple things about that because, right. So, you know, I think that the school there's a lot that they could do differently for sure. But I think just kind of by design, it's somewhat crowd control, you know? So you kind of have to have this person that's kind of keeping the crowd there. And I think that's the difference is, you know, the time we have with our children, the time we have to learn more about ourselves and to learn how to express our needs. I do think though, that any family can choose to have that. Like you can choose to have that even with school in your life. I don't know that you're going to learn those things at school, but you can still have relationships in your family that are honoring and listening to needs and expressing and not bringing that kind of school mentality home. And the other piece I wanted to just kind of say clearly that you, that you said in, in kind of a roundabout way is like in, in our family, there was no punishments and no rewards. And and that when you're talking to people outside of our realm is very surprising. <laughs> like there, how does that work? You know, if you're not taking away their iPad or grounding them or, you know, doing all this, and it's exactly what you said, it's having relationships. It's knowing that we're all humans that are going to make mistakes and it's bumpy. It's bumpy to live with people. But as we just trust in that other person, as we assume positive intent about them, as we talk about the impact of something that's happened to us, as we share that and hear where they're coming from, we're all learning. And when you have a punishment model, 
the only thing that a child's getting from being sent to their room is they're mad at their parents. Like they're not looking at the context of what happened in that situation. And so what I love about our lives is that, yeah, we all made mistakes. Like we all hurt each other at different times. We all did things that weren't the best, but we could always come back to those conversations. Like we could always come back to, Hey, let's make a repair. And Pam and I talk a lot about, you know, there's going to be ruptures, but it's all about the repair. You know, and so when you can, and when you see your child as an equal, as an equal in the family, then those repairs are very genuine and they come both ways. And so I just kind of wanted to be, you know, clear about that piece because I think it's so different for a lot of people. Okay. I have so many things. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Number one, I do love that year window into the value of relationships and prioritizing connection was something completely different. Like it's, it's three different things for the three of us that brought us here. Um, You know, so it's very different things for, for other people. We talk a lot um, through our exploring unschooling podcasts to people who the lens is unschooling. It's like, okay, I know I don't have to go to send my kids to school, you know, and that's kind of the window through which they discover all this, but it can be very different for, for different people. Um, Anna's point, well, I, well, we'll go back to what, what you mentioned also, Lord, which I thought was very important um, that, and it's something um, unschooling families can experience when they first come and they realize, okay, we don't want to control Yes, I want to move away from control. But if you don't replace that with something else, right? So we talk a lot about moving from control to connection because you are replacing it with the relationships. You're replacing it with these conversations about the actual context of this moment because a rule can't take into account the context of every moment, right? It can't take into the context that I'm really tired (laughs) or I'm really energized or somebody's not feeling well right now or like whatever is going on in our lives. It can't take that in. And yes, in the crowd control version, rules are important because I don't have time to have that in-depth conversation with 30 kids in which the answer will be different with most of them, (laughs) right? I can't create 30 unique little, you know, bubbles for each child in that context. So it's understandable that control needs to be a part of many of those situations. I mean, there's the world of alternative schools and things. um, So there's some possibilities there as well, but understanding that um, and replacing understanding that you're replacing that control with something else is so valuable or else you kind of got chaos you've got parents who step back it's like okay I'm not supposed to control them so I just like stand over here and let them do whatever they want to do and it's it is so hard to chat about just because well yes and no to do there's the context of the family there's the where you are there's the context of how everybody around is feeling and what other things need to also be happening because there may be some scheduling things or maybe there's just so much about the context of the moment so just stepping back uh, stepping away from control 
really isn't super helpful. Yeah. It can it can be a step, kind of we sometimes talk about the pendulum swing. It's like, okay, I know all those control tricks and I'm I'm leaving them on the table, but I don't quite yet have the tools, the relationship tools. I don't have that stronger connection with my kid yet. You know, so those tools to be able to kind of start swinging you back to something else. Mm-hmm. So it can be part of the journey, definitely. I definitely remember those moments. But you will just sit there in chaos and you'll be like, yeah, this lifestyle doesn't work for me if you don't realize that you need you need other tools to replace them. You don't just throw your hands in the air and say, this is our life now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anybody want to talk about that before I go to this other thing that I okay. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't dare to stop you in, on your roller coaster. <laughs> Because when I first looked at this question too, as I thought about um, how I got to the relationships, like we were talking about how we all had different windows. So for me, Anna, her kids never went to school. Right. She came into these ideas and these thoughts on her own before that. For me, my kids were at school. We were bepping along that journey. Um, so coming from taking my kids out of school, my first lens on our lives was learning. Right. How are they going to learn now? You know, that pendulum screen were, oh, they left school. So now what? How, how are we going to learn now? <laughs> And it was through that learning lens that I first came to see how valuable relationships with my kids were for their learning. Mm. I found that piece so fascinating. And I eventually wrote a whole conference talk about it. And I'll send you the link um, so yes. that you, you can share that in show notes or whatever you like. And I've also got audio on the podcast of it. And it starts with this awesome quote from John Holt from his book, Escape from Childhood, The Needs and Rights of Children, talking about what children need growing up. He explains that they need love, stability, consistent and unequivocal care and lasting relationships with people who are profoundly enough interested in them to look after them with warmth gaiety and patience mm. and I just I I dive deep into that sense because there's just so much in there and don't But we then, all need that yeah yes. don't we all right human beings right <laughs> um but it aligns so well with Maslow's hierarchy of needs right and it aligns with Hungarian psychologist Mihai Csikszentmihalyi's work on flow which he describes as the joy of complete engagement. Mm -hmm. In his book, Finding Flow, he shares the observation that the family seems to act as a protective environment where a child can experiment in relative security without having to be self-conscious and worry about being defensive or competitive. And all these ideas, this is exactly what unschooling families experience. Mm. Like those deep relationships, that safe and nurturing and unconditionally loving environment and the ability to make choices to it's like, what do I want to try next? What do I want to try next? You know, what am I thirsty to learn in this moment? They all weave together to show like, oh, you know, relationships are the thing even for the learning, right? You know, for the life, for the living, for the day-to-day, and 
learning. Relationships are the key. <laughs> so that that was that's it was an exciting exciting part of my journey was understanding like no matter what you talk because it's like okay well yeah relationships are cool but you know they gotta know math <laughs> or they got they gotta know you know reading or history or whatever the thing is that we have a bug in our head about but that boils down to the relationships too right it's not like okay we're just gonna put all this stuff on the relationshipy stuff on hold the connection because you know here's a worksheet and and you just need to do this one thing <laughs> yes and um <laughs> i also love how you mentioned at some point like it's not because there's school in in your life or in your family life that the relationship should suffer like and it is true that like you know here in sweden where i live currently some children go to preschool which is from super young age seven eight hours a day like wow. it's just so much less time that yeah. you have together yeah. and i was wondering also when you when you talk about those rules i'm curious if you have a concrete example of of one rule like going going to bed on that time or um, sitting nicely at the table or finishing your plate or whatever rule you want to take like Can you give an example of how that can look like if you focus on the relationship rather than on what's supposed to happen? Yeah. I, I can take that. <laughs> um, I mean, there's, I want like all the ones you said I want to talk about, but but I'll start with like the bedtime one because that is a common one and, and it does come up in a lot of unschooling circles as well. But for me, and I think why I want to pick it is because how it ties back into what we were talking about earlier is I really wanted my girls to listen to their bodies. Like that was really important to me because I think from my trauma, yes. I dissociated a bit from my body. And so it was so important to me that they listen to their body. When were they hungry? When did they need to go to the bathroom? When did they want, when were they tired? And so that conversation about bedtime becomes about like, how are we feeling and honoring that some of us are night owls, some of us are early birds. But then you talk about the context, which is, you know, Pam just mentioned. So then let's say they're wanting to stay up later than I want to stay up. Then it becomes, okay, well, I'm needing, my body's telling me that I need to go to bed right now. What's your body telling you? Okay, you want some more time. Let's set you up for that to work. And so when they were younger, you know, we had a family bed. And so that might be me putting earplugs in and an eye mask and they're sitting next to me reading or playing with a game or whatever they want to do. When they're older, they just stayed up later. Like I had no need to control. I wanted them to learn about their body. And what you would you'll see with children is they'll experiment with it. Like they'll stay up really late. And you see it with school children or unschooled children. But I think what's different is that we're talking about it. We're talking about like, Hey, so how's your body feeling and how did that work? And, and, you know, we would have people say, because at times my girls were very much staying at very late and people go, well, what, when they get a job and whatever, but what, and my girls are grown. So I can tell you they have jobs, <laughs> they do yeah. things and, and they, because it matters to them, you know, they get up because it matters to them, but just this arbitrary It's better for you to go to bed at eight and get up at, you know, six in the morning or whatever that kind of convention is. Here we come back to, is it true? Mm -hmm. Does it make sense? Is it serving me? And for me, the priority was 100% listening to our bodies because that I just feel like we have to have that 
to do anything, to figure out how to have a relationship, to figure out when we need self-care, to figure out all of those pieces. And so that's the difference as opposed to the rule. And the rule. Wow. That's so beautiful. Yeah. Yes, it is. Because when when you when let's just pretend we're gonna use the rule, right? It says, okay, you go to bed at nine o'clock or eight o'clock or whatever. Not only are we not asking them, you know, how is your body feeling? We are encouraging them to ignore the messages from them. Because so if they're they've had a super busy day or they didn't sleep so well the night before and they're tired at seven, but their bedtime is at nine. Chances are they are going to push through as hard as they can to make it to nine o'clock, right? Because I'm allowed to be up that late, right? So not only do we, you know, not help them listen to it, we teach them to ignore their inner voice, to ignore the messages from their body in pursuit of this rule, whether it's you have to go to sleep now or you don't have to go to sleep now, stay awake. Yeah, it's, it's just so deep. So yeah, for me, the value was so much more in helping them explore the context and their needs and how they're feeling and bringing all that together into making a choice. And it is 110% okay if that choice doesn't work. Like if, you know, they sleep in, no, I didn't get to do this as much today because I stayed up so late. Like, How do we learn things by experiencing them? And you don't need to practice getting up at (laughs) eight o'clock every morning, growing up so that you can get up for a job. I mean, when you have a, that's the context. It's like, ooh, I have this job I'm excited about, or I have this thing. There will be times when we're going here tomorrow and we're all really excited and we want to leave at this particular time. You know, and then we work back and we figure out, you know, what would be a good time to go to sleep. And then, uh, so yeah, I'll finish that thought. And that's how they they learn and explore in context. And, you know, so there are things that come up in life that simulate, oh, there's something I want to do in the future tomorrow or next week um, that I want to, you know, play with my sleep so that I am fully alert and awake. If it's super exciting and they stay up late, that excitement might carry them through that next day. And then they just crash and have an extra long sleep. There is no wrong answer in this situation, you know, and if we come to them, if they are tired and they don't enjoy the experience so much more learning, we don't go them. See, you didn't enjoy that because like, they're not stupid. They will understand. It's like, Oh, okay. So next time, maybe I do want to try and get some more. Like, but it's different for everybody, right? How adrenaline works, how they, um, how much sleep somebody needs. Like that's the piece, like with diet, with any of these things, it's so unique to our bodies. So it's like to think that there's one size fits all for when you should go to bed, what you should eat, when you should go to the bathroom, how you should do this. Like, it's just such a disservice to us actually learning about ourselves. And the other piece I wanted to touch on here, because we're kind of talking about these physical pieces that our body tells us, but what was also important for me was to help them cultivate their inner voice so that they, when they were reacting to something emotionally, like I, you know, we start something they, and there's a conventional wisdom of you have to finish it. You signed up for the class or you, you know, you did this thing you've committed. 
And I was like, no, because I wanted them to cultivate that inner voice. And if their inner voice was telling them, I don't want to be here, something about it doesn't feel good to me, then we would have a conversation. Hey, tell me more about that. What's that feeling like for you? You don't have to continue this. And it's because we, um, there's a whole bunch of concepts wrapped up in here, but my husband has like sunk costs. Like you've already paid for the class. It doesn't matter. The learning that you may get out of it may not be how to make a piece of pottery, but what it might be is, hey, when I have that niggling feeling, I need to listen to it. And that's well worth whatever the cost of the class was. And so it was all those things wrapped together. So it's listening to our our physical body, the messages it gives us, but also listening to the emotional context, because that's how we keep ourselves safe in relationships. That's how we keep ourselves safe in the world. That's how we learn about ourselves. That's how we figure out what we like. And if we tell kids you have to finish the thing, they stop asking to do anything because if they don't like it, they're going to be forced to do it for the next three months. Whereas if we give us a chance, because I mean, as an adult, I can do the same thing. I can sign up for a class. If I don't like it, I can walk away and I can walk away because it's not serving me. So that, that whole piece too, I just wanted to throw in there. Yeah. It's so valuable for kids to be able to, to choose that as well. Like, you know, when we're in relationship with them as other human beings, they just learn so much with the choice to be able to quit something just because it's not working for them. And you, we want to honor that voice, but also when you bring in the context of learning, yeah. Yeah. If, if you um, subtly teach them that if you choose this course or join this team, you have to stick it out to the end, like that message that you're giving them. Oh my goodness. And then they will be very reticent to try something else out. It's like, okay, I have to really, really like this (laughs) to know that I can do it for three months or six months or however long, because I know I have to do it. So their choice window just is so much smaller when you put that constraint on them so like in all the ways being able to make choice even to things that feel like oh you've committed to them quitting is absolutely okay at any age so you're teaching them young that you can't quit and adults will stay in jobs because it'll look bad to quit that that aren't working for them that are hard on their bodies that are hard for them emotionally like showing up for so many reasons we're teaching people to stick it out to things because the the look that you're committed to something is more important than the actual physical and emotional toll right, how you're that doing it is there is something so soothing and refreshing and relieving thing in in <laughs> hearing you and and everything that you're saying like feeling like you have like feeling free to stop to quit feeling free to make the wrong choice quote unquote and and discover that oh I want to try it different next time and like that's what I want all the time like that's what I need all all the time to accomplish what I have accomplished also with my business and and with this podcast and like with, with anything that I'm doing I need those elements and um it's such a like ah oh, wow like that 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 we can relate like this to our children is uh, 
it's a whole new world. <laughs> it's opening up. It is, but it's yeah. so great. And it feels so good. You know, we have people that on the network and people that we've met over the years that are just like our whole lives have changed. You know, our whole lives have changed because of this. And it's just so beautiful because we, it doesn't have to be hard. It does. I don't think relationships have to be hard. I think when we have that self-awareness, when we know ourselves, when we can communicate our needs and when we can really listen to someone else, that relationships just enhance everything. But it's when we have this baggage that we're bringing to it or these expectations that you bump up against these conflicts. Yes. And I, I also really love how you bring in the piece about body awareness and teaching your children how to listen to their own body not only body also their you know emotional state and and just the whole holistic view right Mm -hmm. it is uh, because of the pushing through that we're also disconnecting from our from our body more and more and more and people from 50 years old six years old come to me to start to like they just want to feel their body again yes mm-hmm. yes that's and beautiful. it's for me that's my compass like I don't know how to live right. without like feeling <laughs> what my body is telling me and right. so just to hear you say that you know what's most important for me is that my children get to feel their own signals it's like Oh my God. Yes. (laughs) And what a different world it would be. Right. Because I remember in early in the parenting journey, um, because this, like Pam said, I kind of came to this even before my kids went to school. And so this was a few years in and I asked my friend, I was like, well, how do you feel about that? Like, how does it feel in your body when you think about that? And she's like, I I don't even know what you're talking about. (laughs) Like, I don't even know how to like conceptualize this idea of how does it feel? And so we really talked through like when you're making a decision, you know, a lot of times you'll you'll carry some tenseness about one or one just feels like this relief. And so it's and even if you're not a particularly touchy feely person, your body's still going to have these kind of signals that you can start listening to. And, you know, she was 40 some at the time and it was just a completely different concept because, you know, she'd been told what to do. And then she was also given this, there's one right way. So find the factual way and get the right answer or you'll be in trouble. And I'm like, there's no right answer. You know, it's, it, it, we all are going to come at things differently. And so that, that compass piece, I love that expressing it like that. Cause I, I mean, I think our body, we get so many messages that, if we're pushing through them, I think ends up with some really bad results, you know, where we really then have to kind of dig ourselves out of a hole. Whereas if we'd been listening all along, we would have maybe left that job a little bit earlier, or we would have left that relationship a little bit earlier, or we would have, we would have done, we would have taken better care of ourselves in those situations and maybe not gotten to that point of such a difficult time. Yeah. That whole, that comes right back to recognizing and that was one of the biggest shifts for me recognizing how many things are an actual choice right because it's not until you realize that it's a choice that you realize I don't have to push through this (laughs) and then you start listening like that opens up that whole what do you mean like I get what is listening to how that or how does that feel when I think about making this choice versus that choice 
well, if I didn't think I had a choice, like this is the one path I have to do, like I have to push through to get to the next point on that path. So like it all weaves together so beautifully. Yeah. There's, I want to move to the next question, which is about consent. And we already touched upon a, like a lot on this topic. When I talk about school and when I look back at my own upbringing, I also have an episode with my sister about this, by the way, like oh. where we just talk about like how that was for us, consent and, and school and just being teenager. And like, I get so easily angry when I talk about how, like, I was also a good girl. I was a great student. I, I like I had a perfect grades and we're just... Like we're so not encouraged to actually speak up for ourselves, and we're we're not learning how to feel. Like, what's a yes? Like, how does that feel in my body? And what's a no? We're just directed to go along with the stream, but then we're expected right. when we're eighteen or twenty-one or whatever the age is to just know what we want and take initiative to build our life because now we know everything and we need to be able to stand up for our boundaries and respect others boundaries or suddenly you know even earlier on like we're 16 we're 14 suddenly there are way more hormones in our body we're having our first like more partner sex experiences and and we're just toolless, like skill, like we don't know how to navigate this. We're just, I felt completely lost. Yeah. So, um, huh, yeah, like like how can we feel empowered um, if we're raised to be obedient children? And right. um, I'm curious if you if you just want to expand a little more on this from an unschooling perspective, and you know. Or, or give some personal. Yeah. Examples. I mean, for me, so consent is such an important issue for me. And I think it's, I, I knew that I, I don't ever want to push through someone's consent. And I also want my autonomy to be upheld. And I think that's where it comes from because, you know, possibly from the trauma pieces or whatever, that, that, you know, understanding consent was so important for me, but it is so prevalent to have this kind of power over, um, but just like we've been talking about, like I wanted my girls to really listen to their inner voice, to, to, to tune into that. And as it came, you know, through their becoming sexually active and hormones and all of those things, like we could just have such interesting conversations, you know, and they had so, because I think that it's the self-awareness that allows you to communicate to a partner that allows you to even understand that you have a choice in the matter, you know, because I think so often messages are given to women, especially that, you know, just go along, you're here for this, this is the pleasure, this is what it looks like. And so, you know, just what I loved about unschooling and just our lifestyle in general is just the conversations, the time, the things we could have. And for different kids, that's going to look different. How much I had two girls, one who liked to talk about everything under the sun and the other that just like to listen and kind of be, you know, taking it in in their own way. But what I see with them as adults is just in satisfying relationships that they communicate. I, my oldest is married and I mean, I've told her this many times, but 
I, I was amazed at the communication that she and her husband have at such an early age. Like, I feel like I did not come anywhere close to that until I was, you know, and even though I had been with David since we were teenagers, I don't feel like that level of communication happened until much later. And so I loved seeing them, again, express their own needs, hear the other person's needs. And so I think all of that really ties in. But right, how can you expect those things to happen if really it's might makes right? I'm bigger than you, so you have to do it. I'm older than you, so you have to do it. I'm the teacher, so you have to do it. Like you don't you don't know how to how that yes feels, how that no feels. And so it is a very different environment, but but I really see just how far ahead of the game they are. And that doesn't mean they didn't have, it, you know, teenagehood is tough. Like there's still, it didn't, it wasn't, a, it, they weren't immune to hormones and challenges <laughs> and, and the transitions of moving into adulthood, but they had super connected relationships that they could talk to, that they could build on, that they could come, you know, they could go out in the world and come back and know that that was just as fine. And then we could go out again. Like, so there was a safety of that foundation that I think made it easier, but not easy. So I, I don't want to make people think that, oh, everything's rosy because it's not, you know, that we're humans and it's, it's sketchy sometimes. I know at first when people are hearing about unschooling and all that kind of stuff, they can, it can be kind of a utopian vision. Oh, you know, we'll never have any problems. We'll all be, you know, so happy. We're doing the things that we want to do. We're helping each other figure out how to do the things they want to do. That's why when we were talking, we've been talking the whole time, like about the context of these and life happens like life happens to us yeah. as adults life happens to to our kids as well like things go sideways and i think that it, and what you talked about right at the top there with the question is like having the tools to navigate any like situations that come up like even situations where we say i don't know what to do. I can't see choices here. But when you've got that strong, connected, loving relationship, respectful relationship with your parents, as Anna said, you know, the coming home piece, the phoning your parents in the middle of whatever, whatever to say, you know what, this isn't feeling good. I don't really know what to do. Can you come get me? Or, you know, any of those to know that those are always options on your plate is, is so valuable. And that you've had so much time growing up with these tools of thinking through situations. Like when you're not following a rule, you actually have to think about the situation, right? And ask yourself how you're feeling. Is this feeling good? What's what's not feeling good? Can I figure out what's not feeling good and tweak something so that that's not happening? Or no, this is something I can't tweak. I want to leave this situation. Like having those tools makes a world of difference yet life will happen things will go sideways things will go you know very wrongly and but having those tools in those situations is more helpful right it gives them something it gives them a place to start and they know that we're always there and on their corner and that's the other really important piece is not judging when things go wrong yes (laughs) like shit can happen right you know, to know that they have a place where they can talk about it <clears throat> is so valuable. Like that the conversation won't all be about how you did this wrong. 
you made this wrong choice. You ended up in this situation and it's your fault. That will not be the conversation. <laughs> it will be about, you know, the context, about what happens, about how they're feeling, about, you know, it, it may be, how do we want, how do you want to move forward? You know, all those pieces, it will be a supportive and helpful conversation for learning more tools for next time, not hammering on what went wrong. And the one other piece I wanted just to bring out again that Anna mentioned, like some are more talkative and some aren't like, it depends on how we like to process things. Am I an external processor where I like to talk about all the things to move through it? Am I an internal processor where I want to think about all the things and then maybe talk because I'm not sure about something and then I want to pull back again. And so, you know, yes, we talk a lot about conversations and relationships, but Sometimes they're not like a lot of verbal conversations. Mm -hmm. I had one who was very much, you know, an internal processor who wasn't into so much about the talking, but they knew I was there. There's body. There's so many ways. We've talked about so many ways to communicate other than just through words, right? Through, through body language, feeling, movement, like all these different pieces. And we can learn to speak these other languages with our kids too, as well as, you know, the word piece that that comes along with it as well. How so many things bubble up? <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, and I definitely also want to acknowledge, like, I don't think that uh, in an unschooling context, there's no issues or struggling or like feeling, feeling like, what is this? You know, when, when you grow up as, as an adult, but it's definitely about this, like feeling free, like knowing that it's okay to, to stop somewhere to request things it's knowing that there's a there's a, a support system around me where i can fall back on i can make mistakes cuz there are people there that will will be there when i fall <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and they will give you know hand hold their hand out <laughs> to help me get back up yeah so, yeah, and um, know that, that mistakes are a part of life, you know, that because like Pam said, I think that's such a key piece is like, there's no, it's just complete non-judgment. You know, I want them to make choices and sometimes, right. They're going to learn things that I don't want to do that again, yeah. but I don't, I, I just want to celebrate that with them. Like, look what you've learned, you know, look at how amazing that experience was that told you that's not where you want to go. And so that is a very different feeling. Cause I think sometimes when, you know, you have kind of a judgment, piece, you know, I feel like kids are maybe more unsafe in that situation because they're not going to come back and ask you questions. Whereas, you know, both all of our adult kids still call us like, Hey, what about this? This thing happened. And I don't know. And then we can just have this really frank conversation about, okay, tell me what, what did you feel about that? What do you think? Here's what I see. And so I just feel like, you know, with other kids that I've seen, like they don't want to have those conversations with their parents because it's kind of laden with judgment or expectation. And so then I feel like, gosh, who are they getting their information from? You know, maybe helpful friends. And that's great if they've cultivated that community, but maybe they're just sitting alone with that and it doesn't feel good. You know, so I, I do love that aspect of just, we're still, we still have these connected relationships, even with our adult children that are no longer in the house. Beautiful. Um, I want to direct the focus a bit to learning. Yeah. And like the actual learning of things and to give some context. Um, in my sessions, I use a lot of variations of self-pleasure practices. And um, 
I see it a little bit as like essential training for life. <laughs> um, and I really mean it in the broad sense of the word. Um, it's like just a continuous meditation of being able to track and follow what feels good, what feels right. And so I, I use it in a very concrete, practical way of like, how can we use the body? What are the tools that we have available uh, from using our voice to having that oh, like a really good stretch to rolling over the floor to breathing deeper like it is a way of practicing following that guiding guidance system that we talked about before but also in a healthy way connecting to our lust to our desires um feeling the difference between something that makes us feel alive and that doesn't make us feel alive um, all these kind of things that I just see as so important. And the cool thing is that if you do this practice, when you feel in stress, being able to track what feels good or what feels right or what feels safe is actually going to be self-regulation or if we reach out, co-regulation. So it's, it's really like also learning how to take care of ourselves. Um, so I really like to zoom out and look at life as one big self-pleasure practice. Like <laughs> from my lens, like that's that's how I look at life, right? Um, but but coming to your field of expertise, you um, especially Pam, I heard you say often, like what what brings you joy? What's fun? Like, and you also obviously like your your website is livingjoyfully.ca. <laughs> so um and and you raise that question in the context of learning. Um so I'm curious, do you want to expand a little bit on like how following joy, pleasure, fun is important? for our learning yeah <laughs> okay so i want to start with i i love how you're describing self-pleasure it's exactly how i i use the term self-care right mm -hmm. it's like how how do how am i feeling what will feel good in this moment you know and and building that healthy relationship with ourselves that level of self-awareness that level of self-awareness helps us and it also helps us communicate with others, our needs. Like if we don't have that level of self-awareness, I can't really share my, my needs that will actually be helpful to me. It would be back in my earlier state where I'd share a need, like I need, I need time to myself. And it didn't really fulfill what I was hoping it would fulfill because I wasn't as self-aware of what my actual needs were. I was just bringing in the cultural message living joyfully <laughs> joy and what feels good like yeah it is such a wonderful beacon for making choices in life including the learning choices like as we were talking about earlier um that that ability to like follow our curiosity to follow our interests to see what what would be fun in this next moment also supports like it supports our self-awareness, but also supports getting into that flow, getting into like a, a, an environment, like within that safe um, family context where I 
they, they and I, you know, us as adults now, because it's human beings feel safe to explore something and for it to go wrong without worrying about being judged or feeling competitive that I need to do it better than a sibling or better than someone else or anything like that. Like joy lets us make choices that are going to also feel good or feel best to us in that moment. And even this is something that trips people up, even if it's something that's hard, right? You know, even if we get frustrated for a while, even if it takes us a long time, if it's something we really want, like we're not talking joy as in momentary happy moments that I'm just like looking for everything to work out because people worry that, oh, if you let them just choose what they want to do, you just follow the joy, then they're only going to ever make the easy choices. They're not going to commit to something hard. You know, no, like children are incredibly capable as human beings from a super, from when they're born, you know, they have ways to express their needs, right? So it's just fascinating to watch them follow their joy, make their own choices, follow their curiosity. Um, When they sink into that flow, seeing that learning happens almost by osmosis, like our kids growing up, we didn't talk about learning with them. It's like, like, what are you learning? No, it's just like, do the thing that you aspire to do. And learning happens. Like if somebody walks up to them, yeah, as parents, you kind of get in there. They, What are you learning today? They're going to say nothing. <laughs> you know, there's a good chance. Like you talk with your kids. Like if somebody's asked, just tell them what you're up to, what you're doing. Because there is such a disconnect there between you know, because I'm living life, I'm living joyfully. Um, and the, the learning's just happening. And bigger picture, learning about life. Like you quickly kind of drop the context of, of what's in a curriculum because what we want our kids to learn are the things that are interesting and valuable to them in the moment because their life is a collection of moments, right? So they're going to come across and it doesn't matter at what age they learn what thing, when it has some value or brings some joy in the moment or something that they want to pick up along the way to something that they're aspiring to. They're like, oh, they won't learn this thing because it's bored. They'll think it's boring. But oh my gosh, when we have a goal, we'll do all sorts of things and jump through all sorts of hoops because we still know it's a choice and we still have that in- intrinsic motivation to accomplish the thing that we want to do. And we're and they are revisiting that goal each time. It's like, okay, is it worth it? Is it worth it? Maybe they they tweak their course. Maybe they say yes. Maybe they say no. All good learning, right? Mm. Learning is hard when it's disconnected from our life, when it has little meaning to our days. Mm. Um, it's just, you know, that learning. Like if, When we look back at school, how many little factoids did you absorb for the test? You set out for the test to get the good marks. And then, you know, you couldn't access it really two months later because it wasn't part of your web of understanding, a deeper understanding of how the world works because it wasn't related to your day, right? But when we're engaged in something that's joyful, chances are we'll engage in it again soon, again and again and again, because that's how we truly learn and remember something. And as I said, it's not always easy, but we may well be intrinsically motivated. And then you realize that that's just a metaphor for life, like how we want to move through our days. 
you know, when we are doing, we are so much more engaged in our days and in the things we do when we're cho- when we're following that little beacon of joy, like, and how it feels to us. Like, what do I want to do next? What do I want to try? That puts me in a spot where I'm probably learning the most, where I am more engaged, where I am a more joyful person <laughs> to the people around me where I am understanding more interesting things about myself because I am putting myself in the place where my body and my thoughts and my emotions want to be. That's where I'm going to learn the most, even if it's something that, ooh, like we talk a lot also about sitting with discomfort, Anna. You know, we can still make choices that are uncomfortable for us. It doesn't mean we're going to stay inside our comfort zone. There are times when we want to push that, when we want to jump outside our comfort zones. Like, those are all okay. And let's just see what the experience is like and what we can learn from it. Joy doesn't mean like every moment is happy, go lucky and la 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 la. Here we are. <laughs> right. That's, That's part about being in touch with our bodies. Like what I loved about you, what you were saying, Laura, is that the, you know, learning about our bodies, like being in touch with what feels good in the moment, what, what, what we need, like, and as I talked about before, like that was so important to me for my girls, because I believe with children are constantly given messages that turn them away from their bodies. And not only what turns them away from what feels good, but also to not hearing what feels bad, Mm -hmm. like to push through something that feels bad. And so, you know, how to me that kind of ties into learning is, I think school does the same thing, like you said. So you learn it for the test and then you forget it. And I think the challenge is what's that kind of sinking in for kids is that my nephew actually left school. Like he went to school. my, My girls never went to school, but he went to school for a period and came home. And I mean, it was years where he didn't want to learn anything like he'd been he'd been taught that learning is painful, (laughs) that learning is, you know, the sitting down and forcing you to do something you don't want to do. And so anything that even resembled that he just bucked against. And it was so interesting to see the contrast with my girls who were like, I want to know the state capitals or what is this history? Because they were just interested in things like they'd not been taught that learning had to look this way of sitting in a desk and doing it like this. But part of that is being in touch with what feels good. What what do we want to do? Do we want to move our body right now? Well, that's not allowed in school. You know, I, I was very transparent with my girls, like about what made me feel good, like what foods nourished me, how moving my body felt good, how, you know, all of these different pieces so that they could start tuning into what felt good for them. So it wasn't a prescription of this is what will feel good to you, but it was just this conversation of, yeah, sometimes we want to move our body right now. You know, we want to get up and walk around and that wasn't allowed, you know, in school environments for my nephew. And so that is so hard. So again, that disconnect from his body telling him he needs to move. And so I love how that just kind of weaves in with what you were talking about. Yeah, totally. And there's so much of what you're talking about or what you're mentioning that reminds me of my journey of my journey with intimate breath and having a company, it, it feels like that's completely unschooled. <laughs> like, <laughs> like there's nothing of what, like the skills that I'm, I mean, nothing, like so much things I have not learned at all in school. <laughs> exactly. And there's so much discomfort often <laughs> in like wanting to grow. And like the first time I made a video, the first time I'm like, 
technical things, bookkeeping things, like just mm -hmm. so many things. But it's so clear, like my my inner drive is so is so big that of course I'm making those choices. There's no doubt. Like it's not even a consideration to not go there. Um, and I think that yeah, it's just a, a nice personal example that ties into what what you're saying and. Right when it has meaning, you know, when it's important, like she's saying, when you have that goal, you push through those hard things in a way that feels good, you know, yeah. in a way that I'm going to tackle this technology, I'm going to learn this thing I didn't know before. And you know what, it's going to stick with you too, because it's important, because it's moving you towards your goal. And, and to me, isn't that what we want from learning? Like, isn't that really the goal of learning for you to have the tools that you need to pursue the things that you love and for it to stick? Mm -hmm. And so this separating learning from life just really makes no sense when you kind of blow back from it a little bit and look at the bigger picture yeah yeah we're kind of moving naturally into one of like the second last question that I prepared for <laughs> for this talk which is about like just how natural and true it feels to me to have this shifting of interests and being able to follow that and just getting to know yourself and how you learn and what works for you and what the pace is that works for you in every moment of time and I know unschooling is focusing more on the capacity to learn new things over and over again and feeling able in that sense rather than any content that you are getting into your brain and your system <laughs> so I imagine as a parent that it's also asking you to really look at your child constantly as them being fully capable and resource beings. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I mean, oh my gosh, we, we have a podcast called kids are capable because we talked about it in the network because it, it is so, <laughs> yeah. it is really a big piece of it. You know, it is just that trust in who they are and how they're moving through the world. And I think it does surprise people, but I, I think it, it as soon as you start talking with a child, like without an agenda, without what's your favorite subject, as soon as you start really connecting with a child, you see how rich their world is, how interested they are in all of the things, you know, and, and you see, and, and what I saw was just how much I learned from them as well. And one of the things that I've talked about before is just, you know, there's these factoids that like, you know, we're learning in school, this set of facts, this content. But if we look at the long view, really, will those same facts be valuable 10 or 15 years from now? Maybe not. You know, maybe we'll be this super advanced society that's very computerized. Maybe everything will go to hell in a handbasket and we'll be very agricultural and, you know, sustainability and figuring things out. So what I wanted was, like you said, what's my process for learning? How do I learn? How do I get information? How do I have relationships that can help me when I need to move towards something like that? Then no matter what happens, then you have the tools to get the information you need to start your own business, 
to do something that really is exciting to you to to go to college because you want a particular career that requires that like you'll have what you need because you know yourself you know how you learn you know how to gain knowledge and that to me is so much more important than sitting you down at a table and doing these this fact sheet about whatever it is math english history whatever it is and so as you've seen like the real skills that you learn for your business, involve math, involve English, involve all these different, you know, languages and different things. And that's when it has value. That's when we soak it in. Yeah, I, it's, it really is about empowering our kids to be learners, like, so that they know they can make all these choices that work for them about the things they want to learn and how they want to learn them versus, you know, being shown through school that this is the best way to learn something. Yeah, you can pick up some stuff outside, but this is the best way. <laughs> and so as adults, the, the minute, like, oh, I want to, or I need to, or I have to learn this thing, the first thing they look for is a course. The first thing they look for is like a class somewhere um, with our kids uh, through unschooling that is still always on the table, but the choice squarely lies with them. And the choice can be different. Like Anna was saying, if they want to do something that needs a degree, needs some formal learning, it's like, that's part of that path. And that's totally okay. So it's not demonizing that environment. It's like noticing that there's a smorgasbord of options when it comes to learning and pick which one is feeling good right now. And that choice can change over time. But for me, what that the other the other kind of big shift alongside the whole big plate of all different learning possibilities was the idea of lifelong learning. You know, and, and well, people will say lifelong learning now, and that's a big thing. And we like to encourage it, but they're the adults looking for the class, looking for the teacher to teach them, like, because that's the only way to learn. Mm -hmm. So you hear lifelong learning, but when you stick lifelong learning alongside that table of possibilities, like we can learn at any age. Like you were saying, Laura, you're learning now because, or or then, because this need uh, the, to follow your joy to create this business was a need. And that internally motivated you to learn all those pieces. And it didn't, you know, you don't need to say, oh, geez, I wish I'd learned this in school, or I should have learned this. In school. You would not, even if you did, chances are you wouldn't have remembered much of it because you weren't trying to start a business when you were 12 years old or whenever it came up in the curriculum. And it is totally okay for our kids to run into something at age 23 that maybe in a school curriculum was at age 15. Because now, oh my gosh, the learning is going to be so much richer because it has context, because it has purpose, because it has meaning to them. That is when it's valuable to explore and learn that thing rather than filling their, their three days with the topic when they were 15 so that we could stuff it in there because someday you might need to know it. <laughs> this makes so much sense to me. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's a ringing truth in my body. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Great. I want to move to the last a, a little bit shorter question, more practical. I am listening to your podcast and you're from the US, right? And um yeah. <laughs> and I'm living in Europe and actually I don't know a lot of communities or or even countries where homeschooling or unschooling are are really allowed or easy to to go for. I don't know if it's ever easy, I don't know, but uh, do you have some resources, some tips uh for European listeners? Yeah, well we, you know, on the we have the Living Joyfully network which is for unschoolers. And we have people from all over the world and we have a lot of people in Europe, especially the UK, but we do have um, in pretty much almost every other country, it seems like. So we have had at one point in time and in, in Ecuador and in Australia and New Zealand and, and all over the place. So what I've what I found with kind of with anything is once you start diving into it, you start realizing there's a whole community there. Mm -hmm. And so typically you'll find, you know, home ed, as they call it in the UK and that kind of thing. And then with under that, you'll find people that are eclectic or unschoolers. And there are some countries that definitely make it more difficult. But even in those countries, people have found a way, you know, because I think when a lot of times people come, especially in those areas where it is harder and maybe not as well known, they come to it because their child is clearly being harmed or not served in the school system. And so when you have that motivation of this is not working for my child, then you find a way. And so I, yeah, I mean, I think if, if, if you're interested in it and whatever, you know, follow Pam, look it up the Living Joyfully Network. And also just kind of put your feelers out. And I think you'll find that there are a lot of people out there doing it a lot more than you think, because they're just out living in the world, having fun while everybody's tucked away at school. So <laughs> you just don't see them. <laughs> like they don't know what's going on. Yeah. I mean, they're just so busy living life that not <laughs> are out there. Like we need to tell everybody. I mean, sometimes we like to tell everybody, but then we're telling people in our circle who kind right. of so I absolutely think once it's something that you start looking for, you will find it. I actually, I have a podcast episode speaking with a mom in Germany where schooling mm. is illegal and how, you know, she has navigated that and the various options that she navigated to get to that point. And, you know, so there are so many possibilities and there are people doing it all over the world. And then also just to speak to the fact that so much of what we've talked about today is that it really boils down to our relationships, right? That's the foundational idea. And <clears throat> all these tools that we've talked about can be embraced and practiced truly whether or not our kids go to school, right? It doesn't really need to be. Like there is so much that we can embrace of this lifestyle. We don't need to bring that whole school ethos into our home, right? We don't need to, oh, our kids are going to school and they have to do this homework. So I have to be like the teacher in training at home and make them do this. Like there is a whole other way to be in relationship with kids, whether it, it if school is even in the picture. So, which is which is why we started that our new podcast, the Living Joyfully podcast, to talk about so many of these ideas that are foundational to being a human being in the world. 
And we can be in relationship with our kids, connected, respectful, trusting relationships, whether or not school even happens to be in the picture. And and just to kind of jump off of what she said, it it is when you have that connected relationship with your child, the, the two of you can talk about the context. You can talk about the parts of school that don't make sense, the parts that are frustrating, and you don't have to be an enforcer for the school. I think that's kind of a lie that we're told as parents that, you know, you're the arm of the school at home enforcing all of our rules and all of these pieces. No, we don't have to do that. <laughs> Again, do we have to? Is that true? Does it make sense? You know, and it doesn't because I want to stay connected with my child, you know, so whatever, whatever path they're on. And so again, just bringing those conversations into the home and not taking on a role that society's handing you and saying, I prioritize my relationship with my child over any grade, over any hoop that they're supposed to jump through really changes things. And what we've seen is with for kids that are in that situation, school feels better, you know, than it does when, when it's a forced Mm. thing, a have to thing uh, that your parents, you come home and you want to vent about it. And your parents are towing the school line and saying, no, no, you have to do this. If instead they can just say, yeah, that doesn't make sense. Why in the world are you having to do that assignment again or whatever, and can just talk to you about it. It just, it's, you know, I think it can kind of be crazy making to like, you know, for kids and teenagers to be like, why are they telling us to do these things? And so, you know, when we can have that partnership, it just feels so different, even if school is going to continue to be in their life. And we don't need to to value grades. Like yeah. grades don't need to be a measure of you as a person, of my child as a person at all. Like I see you, I'm with you. We're still doing fun things that you love. We're still doing things we love to do together. Like that, that's a thing. It's in our lives for reason A, B, C or whatever. But like Anna was saying, we do not need to bring that home. We do not need to bring that whole framework home. Right. (laughs) These relationships are accessible to everyone. Homeschooling and unschooling may not be for, you know, socioeconomic reasons, other reasons, you know, whatever. But, but our relationships that can't, they can't control that. Like we get to decide how we're in relationship and who we are in the world. Amazing. Thank you so much for the the focus on unschooling like to widen that even more like if it, it's not about <laughs> about that ultimately so yeah thank you so much how can people find you well uh as you mentioned my website is mm-hmm. living ca i'm in canada um we have the exploring unschooling podcast that is like in its seventh year now and anna's been on lots of episodes with me But as we were talking about, we have moved to this bigger picture and we just started the Living Joyfully podcast together where we're talking so much about these relationship pieces. And we're starting right right at the beginning with the foundational ideas, foundational paradigm shifts and tools. So we are having a lot of fun with that. Yes. So we'll have all those links for you to, if, if you yes. have in your show notes. Yeah, they will all be in the show notes. And I, I very much recommend the podcast. I've only heard so far exploring uh, unschooling and yeah. like really... <laughs> I recommend it to anyone with or without children. Like I've been listening to many, many episodes and I, you know, 
I'm not a mom yet. So right. I love that. I love that you're listening. <laughs> because it's that, that was part of the shift, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. We discovered on that through that pot, like 95% of the things that we talk about really do end up being about being in relationship with the other people in our family, being in relationship, connection with our kids, like so much of it. Like we talked about unschooling being the lens or a lens that brings a lot of people to these ideas, but that so much of it is more foundational than that. It's, it's beautiful. So yes, but, and that, that's the thing. Sometimes unschooling can be a trigger word for people as so we love that you're listening to it because absolutely there are so many foundational ideas there, but some people, you know, they see the word unschooling or the idea of unschooling. They're like, you know, that, that seems weird. That seems strange. So they, they won't listen. So that was part of the reason too. We have so many uh, listeners and unschooling families who are like, oh, I wish I could share this, this information with my extended family, with my parents, with my sibling or friend, but unschooling doesn't feel good to them. So they write it off beforehand. So, you know, with this new podcast, we're hoping that these ideas can be shared more widely so that because we don't need to trigger, we want to share, you know, how foundational and beautiful relationships can be. Because that's my thing, you know, my thing and, and PM too, it's like, you know, I'm an advocate for children, but I'm also just an advocate for just humans having better relationships. And so, you know, taking it out of that realm of it just being an unschooling, I think will serve people no matter what. And school may bubble up for people with children, like understanding, huh, I don't have to, we're having conversations. And then that may move them to my unschooling, which would be fabulous. It, it really serves our family. But again, it, it's all about the relationships, as you know, and what you've seen and, and imagine what a world it would be like if we all were in tune with our bodies and we knew how to communicate that and we could listen to what other people are feeling, like what a beautiful place that would be. And, and we can do that piece at a time, Lori. <laughs> mm, yeah, I can't wait to listen to your new podcast. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here with me today. Uh, it was such a, it was such a joy. <laughs> it, was, it was so fun. Thank you so much. Mm. I hope you found this episode helpful on your unschooling journey. And be sure to check out the growing podcast archive. The conversations never go out of date. You can find more information about my books, the Living Joyfully Network online community, and the Childhood Redefined Unschooling Summit online course at my website, livingjoyfully.ca.